So, uh, 8.45, we now uh, ask ourselves, what does Donald Trump's decision to decertify the Iran nuclear deal actually mean? What does it actually do? As we previously reported and just heard a few moments ago, uh, President Trump announced he will do exactly this. Um, Let's look in the issue in more detail. Um, Zheng Huang, independent legal researcher with LawQuant LLC, helps us go up close on this issue today. Good morning. Morning, Alex. Does it actually mean the end of the Iran deal? Not not necessarily, right? No, really. I mean, the, the, if you actually look at the deal, the deal itself is not a bilateral deal. I mean, it actually has multiple parties that involves all the uh, Security Council permanent members as well as Germany and European Union. So U- United States has a very little room to unilaterally move within the uh, agreement. And this whole decertification process is actually not part of the deal at all. The deal has actually says nothing about U.S. president having to certify to the Congress. Actually, it's a matter of U.S. law that actually forces the President of the United States to certify to the Congress about compliance of Iran every six months, and it has nothing to do with the letter of the deal itself. Although, just to quickly throw in the Supreme Leader of Iran's comments that uh, he will shred this deal if Washington pulls out. So regardless of all those other parties, it, it is significant if the U.S. undermines it in any way. Sure. I mean, and of course, it makes sense for Iran to make a threat like that, you know, make, sort of you know, raising the stakes. So they're, they're playing a bit of a poker these days. That's definitely true. What do you expect to happen next? Well, basically, the whole thing is going to, going to go into a high state of uncertainty. I mean, with this decertification, which means that according to U.S. law, now Congress, U.S. Congress, has options. You know, Stephanie talked about 60-day window. Uh, that window means that the U.S. Congress actually has, has the ability to unilaterally reimpose some of the sanctions. That will actually violate the Iran deal. So, And according to you know, the Supreme Leader, that might actually break the deal. But as I mentioned, there are other members, other parties to the agreement. So it is quite possible that, you know, countries such as France, Germany, Russia, and China will say that, well, we'll pick up the slack even if U.S. imposes some of the sanctions. And Iran might actually say, well, in that case, we might go on. I mean, that's one possible scenario. Or the deal could break uh, break apart right away. Or even the U.S. Congress might not really want to impose sanctions because, you know, the best of advice being given to the both Republican Party and the Democrat Party in the U.S. is that the you know, deal should go on. So, I mean, basically the whole thing is in an incredible state of uncertainty thanks to latest outbursts from President Trump. Let's look at the motivations for President Trump before we return to this question of what might happen next. Has Iran actually violated the terms of the deal, given any reason for this? No, and that's something that President Trump has made kind of clear in his statement, as well as his advisors who actually went around the U.S. media in the last Sunday uh, media circus saying that actually, you know, they want the deal to continue. And uh, and what, what has happened is that, you know, Iran under the deal has numerous IAEA inspectors going around looking at the, the various sites, seeing that whether uh, Iran is complying with the deal. And until now, you know, Iran has been in technical compliance with the deal and that's what the, the entire U.S. administration will say in unison. 
And so, you know, it's not the Iran's technical compliance, but it's basically it's more, you know, emotional, where President Trump is coming from, coming to this issue emotionally. I mean, he's been sort of dismantling everything that President Obama has done, at least in a big issue, such as, you know, Paris Climate Accord, Obamacare, uh, TPP, you know, these are the things that he has broken up. And this is, you know, this is one of the latest things that he has done to, to the U.S. foreign policy. Last month, Iran said it had conducted uh, a successful ballistic missile test, right? right? Mm -hmm. So so it's not like Iran is just sitting here on the sidelines able to say, what, us, you know? Of course. I mean, Iran by by no means is not an inactive player. I mean, it's very active in the various machinations that are taking place in in the Middle East. And in in fact, in 2015, when this deal went into effect, immediately, you know, Iran back then also fired some ballistic missiles and Obama administration, quite apart from the deal, actually reimposed some new sanctions related to missile uh, missile development. So... The question is, you know, so do you sort of, you know, bring down the whole house because of other issues that Iran brings to the table? Or do you and sort of give up any kind of nuclear, uh, you know, control over the Iran's program? Or do you at least keep this program going on? And I think the consensus is that, you know, this deal is worth saving. Will Donald Trump not be getting some advice about how dangerous this is for the U.S. to to pull out? Well, I think he actually has been getting a fairly unified advice. I mean, all of his top advisors related to foreign policy and, you know, the, the national security issues, you know, he's the Secretary of Defense, National Security Advisor, his uh, UN Ambassador, his, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the Secretary of the State, all, all of them have publicly said in a deal should stay in place. And, you know, some of them are not really a big fan of, you know, Iran to begin with, but the deal actually was, seemed to be working until now. And Trump himself Himself, has actually certified that Iran is in compliance already twice because he has to certify it every six months. So, you know, he's, been, he's doing this despite the best advice given by his national security advisors. But his um, ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, said that while the, the deal would remain in place um, right now, mm-hmm. again, speaking earlier this month, uh, saying Washington's worried Iran will become the next North Korea. They can't continue to test ballistic missiles, which will lead to a nuclear Iran. Uh, on the other hand, you can view this easily the other way. The Chinese state-run newspaper Global Times saying the collapse of this deal would make the North Korean nuclear problem more difficult to settle. Pyongyang won't believe the U.S., as it could easily junk an international agreement. Yeah, and that's a nice segue to, you know, what does this have to do with us in Korea, right? I mean, you know, Koreans might look at the international news and look at Iran and say, well, that's, you know, basically the other side of the world and what does it impact? But it does have huge implications if you think about, you know, potential talks between U.S. and North Korea about the nuclear issues. I mean, they're, they're already having informal talks, you know, all over the place, it sounds like. But now with this, you know, latest Trump's desertification speech, now North Korea will think twice about, well, you know, is the U.S. or at least the Trump administration a, a believable counter a party to any kind of negotiation and 
well, first of all, now uh, international agreement is about maybe upended by a change in administration in the U.S. And two, Trump himself seems to be sort of going against his top advisors and sort of going off on his own based on his whatever emotional state of mind that he's in. So I think any kind of potential talk might actually be very difficult from North Korean point of view, too. But would North Korea have trusted the U.S. anyway? Definitely not. But this makes it a lot harder, right? I mean, there was a fundamental credibility problem on both sides between North Korea and U.S. I mean, can they actually have a binding agreement and then trust that each other uh, will actually abide by any kind of agreement? And now with this latest development, that has gotten even even more difficult. Yeah, well, it's it's worth just emphasizing that point because whether North Korea can trust the U.S. or not, the, the North has shown that it absolutely can't be trusted. Uh, just look at the nuclear deals of the past and, and how North Korea has behaved. Right. Well, I mean, it depends on how the agreement would be uh, structured. I mean, the exactly same uh, uh, argument could be used against Iran. I mean, basically, Trump's whole point is that Iran cannot be trusted. Therefore, even the nuclear deal should be blown up. But now there's a fairly, you know, uh, robust inspection regime going on by IAEA. If you recall in the North Korean case, the, the real nuclear crisis in the 90s actually uh, escalated when the, well, not, not in the 90s, in the early 2000s during the Bush administration, when North Korea actually kicked out the IAEA inspectors. Until then, you know, some of the agreement the, 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 from the 1994 uh, framework, actually some of it, of course, North Korea was cheating to a large extent. Some of it was, you know, actually, the, actually working. So, you know, yeah, North Korea might not be 100% believable, but I mean, do you want to get a 50% deal or no deal? I mean, that, yeah. that's the question. North Korea and Iran separate and geography, culture in all sorts of ways, but there is this circle that seems to connect them. It's a circle which, as we pointed out before, North Korea could be impacted by Trump's attitude towards Iran, but likewise, what happened with North Korea in the past could be a vision of the future with Iran if the US pulls out. Well, and that actually, I think that that actually argues in favor of keeping the deal. I mean, one yeah. thing that happened with North Korea is that, well, North Korea was cheating. Bush administration confronted North Korea about it and decided to break up the 1994 deal without really having an alternative deal. I mean, they negotiated for about five years, but without really coming up with a replacement deal. And now where, where, where we are is that North Korea with ballistic missiles and nuclear weapons. I mean, that's not exactly a place that U.S. wants to be in. You don't want Iran and North Korea, and whoever else is going to be encouraged by yeah, this I mean, in the future. It might actually provide a script for any uh, future rogue nations. Yeah. Zhang Huang, independent legal researcher with Law Quad LLC. It's not pretty up close, but thanks for taking us there. Thank you very much.